2 Kings chapter 6. We're going to start reading in verse 9. Anybody love the word of God? It says, the man of God sent word to the king of Israel. Beware of passing that place because the Arameans are going down there. So the king of Israel checked on the place indicated by the man of God. Time and again, Elisha warned the king that so he was on guard in such places. What was happening is Elisha had prophetic insight. So when the enemy was attacking, Elisha would hear from God where the enemy was about to attack. And he was warning the Israelites about the attack that was about to come. I mean, that's, that's powerful. That'd be amazing if we were a little bit more proactive instead of reactive. Because Christians are really good at like, oh, I just got attacked. But wouldn't that be powerful if we had prophetic insight to be like, oh, he's about to attack. That's, that's where this is. Some of y'all need a little warming up. It's all right. We're going to get there. Tell me which. This enraged the king of Aram. He summoned his officers and demanded of them, tell me which of us is on the side of the king of Israel. The prophetic insight was so intense that this, this king thought there was a spy. He said, none of us, my lord the king, said one of his officers, but Elisha, the prophet, who is in Israel, tells the king of Israel the very words you speak in your bedroom. Now, somebody got nervous. <laughs> Go find out where he is, the king ordered, so I can send men and capture him. The report came back, he is in Dothan. Then the king ordered, so I can send men. He's in Dothan. Then he sent horses and chariots and a strong force there. Then went by night and surrounded the city. When the servant of the man of God got up and went out early the next morning, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. Oh no, my lord, what shall we do? The servant asked. Don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed, open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. And Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he looked and he saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. I want to talk for a couple minutes from this title. The battle beyond the battle. The battle beyond the battle. I, I, years ago, my, my nephew, uh, I have a nephew, and um, he's, he's awesome, but he was, um, he, he was in kindergarten. He was in kindergarten, and, and uh, the rumor got back to me that my nephew was getting bullied in kindergarten. He's got a peanut allergy. And uh, I didn't know bad, how bad peanut allergies could be, but this is apparently a pretty severe peanut allergy. And the bully was bringing peanuts to school. And he was stuffing him in my nephew's locker. It's like dangerous, you know. And um, it's funny. I was telling this story the other day. And, and um, I, I was remember, remembering back. And I was like, yeah, he was in like sixth grade. And Jamie's like, no, he's in kindergarten. And I'm like, man, time, time flies. And, and that makes, that, that'll make more sense in a second when I tell you the rest of the story. Because when, when I heard about it, I'm like, somebody's bullying my nephew? I'm like, that, that's not right. I said, where does he go to school again? And so they told me where he went to school. I'm like, I'm going to lunch. So I'm going to go to lunch, and I'm just going to go to lunch with my nephew. I'm just going to just go be around. I just want to see what's happening to the school this, with this, like, peanut man. And, uh, 
and, and, and so I go and I go to lunch and, and I sit down with my nephew and, 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 and so I'm sitting there and we're just talking. I got all his friends around and uh, I'm there and I'm like, so, so who's, who's, the, who's the peanut guy? And, uh, you know, just trying to be chill about it. And, and, and he's, he points him out to me. I said, all right, all right. And uh, so we're just talking. We had a good time. And, and uh, I just let everybody know at the table, like, um, this is my nephew. I'm his uncle. And, uh, you know, it, it's interesting that um, at 5'10", 175 pounds, there's only a select group of people that you can be real intimidating to. <laughs> and kindergartners are one of those, Okay. So I really threw my weight around that day and uh, just made sure that everybody knew that I was there. And, um, and, and so we just had a good talk. But after we talked and I said goodbye to my nephew as I was leaving, I, I pulled the kid aside. And I just said, hey, just so you know, I'm, that, that, that's my nephew. I'm his uncle. And I heard about what you're doing. And I know you've been bringing peanuts to school. And I know you've been stuffing him in his locker. And I don't want to hear about this ever happening again, because if I hear one more time that you try to do something to my nephew, I'm calling your mom, I'm calling your dad, I'm calling your uncle. And we're all sitting down, and we are going to have a talk about what's happening at school. Do you understand me? He says, yes, sir, yes, sir. And, and, and he was taller than I thought, you know, for a kindergartner. It's like, you shouldn't be looking eye to eye at this age, you know, but like, it's like he, he was, but, you know, anyways. And so, so he, we, we, had our, we had our talk, and, and, and months went by, and, and um, we finally talked all as a family, and we kind of, like, did some checkup, you know, like, how's things going at school? And, and, and he's like, oh, yeah, things have been great. This kid hadn't been bothering me at all. I'm like, really? You know, I just, I, there's something about that that felt really good to me. Like, I had handled some business, and I just want to make sure Jamie knew. I'm like, Jamie, just so you know, like, it wasn't just a talk. Like, I, I had a talk. You know, it's like, that problem didn't just go away, you know? Like, there was somebody there that did some work, and that someone was me. That was your husband right there. That was just, I was just strolling the halls, you know, like, letting them know that Uncle D was there, 5'10", 175. <laughs> My nephew didn't really know that the other talk happened, which made me realize and maybe understood this concept a little bit deeper, that there's always a battle beyond the battle. There's always a, 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 a battle that is beyond the battle. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 12 says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rules, rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. You know, what's interesting to me is that, that, that Elisha is, is there and, and he can see. The army of God. So he's there and, 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 and he, he, he can see the army of God. But the servant, servants knew. Servants knew to the party. If you, if you read First and Second Kings, you hear about a servant named Gehazi. And, and Gehazi is like seen all throughout the stories. But this isn't Gehazi. This is, a new, this is a new servant. And the new servant has not had history with God yet. The new servant has not seen miracles yet. The new servant has not seen God break through yet. The servant has not seen God deliver the people of Israel yet. So the new servant is like, doesn't know if he should lift his hands in worship yet. The new servant doesn't know you clap your hands at the end of the video. 
the, the new servant is like, he's new to the party. And, and, and now he, he, he's here, and, and, and they're, they're surrounded. They're, they're surrounded by the, 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 the enemy. And, and Elijah is, is, Elisha is there, but he can, see, he, he can see what the servant can't. Spiritual perception, spiritual vision is so important. The ability to see what God can see. Because for many of us, we are so confined by only what we can see in the natural. But there's always a battle beyond the battle. There's always something going on that, that, that beyond what we can see that's going on. Isaiah chapter 43 verse 18 says, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you, not, do you not perceive it? And my problem for most of us is not if we know that God is doing something. It's that we have a difficulty seeing it. Because God is moving. God is working. God is working on our behalf. He's working in the midst of our struggle. He's working in the midst of even tragedy. God's working even in the midst of confusion. It's not so much that even we doubt if God can work or if God is working. It's, it's can, we, can we perceive it? Can we, can we see it? And for this servant, I just want to talk through the lens of the servant. Because for the servant, he couldn't. Elisha's like, hey, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. I woke up surrounded. Anybody ever felt like that? Man, I just woke up. I just woke up surrounded. I woke up on Monday morning. I worshiped yesterday, but I woke up today and I'm surrounded. Like I, I, I opened up my phone to surrounded. I, 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 feel, I feel like there are attacks coming on every angle, financially, emotionally, spiritually. I, I feel like this is what the servant felt. For Elisha, he's had history with God. Remember Elisha? Elisha received a double portion of Elijah's anointing. The Old Testament's wild. Okay, just so you know. Like, like the way that Elisha got that double portion, if you read this, is like Elisha was serving Elijah, which they had similar names, which that's confusing in and of itself. But he's serving him, and then Elisha's like, I want a double portion of his anointing. And God says, if you see him when he's taken from you, you can have it. So he's watching. And then Elijah goes up in a, in a chariot of fire. He sees him. So some of y'all like looking really spiritual like, yeah, a chariot of fire. Have you seen a chariot of fire? <laughs> like maybe I'm the only newbie here, but I've never seen a chariot of fire. He goes up in a chariot of fire. So Elisha has this, the, 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 this cachet of faith because of what he's seen. But, but for the servant, he has not had history like that. And I want to speak to some people that just don't have as much history with God. So when everybody's saying just have faith, you're like, I'm trying to. But I feel surrounded. I feel like there's attacks on every side. But the truth of the matter is the question is not if God is doing something. But can we see what he is already doing? Can we see what he is already doing. It said in verse 13, go find out where he is. We'll go find out where the prophet is so I can send men and capture him. And the report came back that he is in Dothan. So I was studying this. I looked up, what is, what is Dothan? Where, where, where is Dothan in the Bible? You know what Dothan is? Dothan's Elisha's house. 
It's where he lives. I thought it was interesting that the enemy came to attack him at his home. Not only did the enemy come to attack him at his home, the enemy came to attack him at night. You know, the, the enemy never, like, comes at you when you walk out of the prayer meeting. Right, like, all prayed out, like, I wish a devil would. That is not the time, usually, that, like, all of the thoughts come at you. It, it, it's when you're tired. It's when you're worn down. It's, it's when your kids are going crazy. It's when you, the, the business deal fell through. It's when things have been stressful. And now it all piles on. And you're like, whoa. I am. It, it, it's not when you prayed up. You just came out of a church service. You're ready, man, you're ready to go. You're singing that highest praise stuff. You know, you're, you're like ready. You're, it's not then. It says the enemy came to him when he was at his home. I'm going to tell you this, the enemy always knows where your home is. You can say it like a physical house, you can just say the place where you find home. Or the place where you rest. He came at home, and he came at night. And that's the place where the enemy tries to attack you. Because that's the place that the enemy can steal your faith from. Is the place where you are at home, at the place, and the place where you are at rest. It says that they came there and they surrounded him with no apparent way of escape in his own home. He was a captive in his own house. You ever felt surrounded? You, you ever felt like you've been a captive in your own in your own home? And you it's like this is the place I should be comfortable. This is the place I should be at peace. In my own family, in my own marriage, in my, and, and I feel surrounded. Friends, there is a battle that is beyond the battle. And this, this, this passage of scripture that we can pull from is trying to tell us that there is an ability to see spiritually that allows us to see beyond the natural, to see, man, this thing isn't just about this. There is a battle beyond the battle. And I'm going to tell you this. This is what the prophet saw, is that there are more that are for them than there are those who are against them. And some of you are fighting a battle that seems ominous, that seems overpowering, that seems overwhelming, but it's because you're looking at it with natural eyes. But if you could see with the eyes that God has, if you could see with spiritual eyes, you would know that there are more that are for you than there are that are against you. Some of you came to church for the first time, you're like, wow, who is this guy? It's all right. It just gets worse as the day goes on. So, If we could see with God's eyes, then we would not be rattled by what we see with ours. He says that in verse 15, it says, when the servant of the man of God got up and he went out early the next morning... An army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. He says, oh no, my Lord, what shall we do? This is the first indicator that you're looking with natural eyes. Is that you ask, what should I do? What do I do? What do I, what do, I do? God didn't 
didn't come through, what do I do? Listen to this. God didn't come through, what do I do? This is, this, is this is the clear indicator that I am looking with natural eyes because now I am trying to work victory for myself. I am trying to work salvation for myself. I am trying to take it into my own hands. And because the servant was naturally minded and looking with natural sight, he says, oh, no. Oh, no. What do we do? And you got to be real careful who you run with and who you're connected with. Because the worst person to be in a battle with is someone who can only see with natural sight. Because what if the servant was not with Elisha? What if the servant was with another naturally minded person? Oh no, we're surrounded. What do we do? You're right. What do we do? They would have died right where they were. But he was with Elisha. And Elisha says, hey, don't be afraid, man. You know what's crazy about Elisha? Elisha doesn't judge him. Doesn't condemn him. Doesn't tell him to go fast and pray. Doesn't tell him to pray harder. Doesn't tell him to shout. He just says, oh, hey, don't be afraid. Hey, Lord, will you open his eyes? This poor little guy can't see. He has compassion on him because he can't see what Elisha can see. Elisha doesn't judge him because of natural vision. He just says, oh, Lord, just, just can you open his eyes so he can see what I can see? Because if he could see what I could see, he wouldn't be afraid of what he sees. See, see the reason that our world walks in fear is because our world looks with natural eyes. So the reason that a naturally-minded person is sometimes put off by a faith person is because a faith person is walking in faith... And they're not afraid of what the naturally minded person is afraid of. And, and, and they don't understand because they're in conflict with one another. Because they're looking from different viewpoints. Because one of them sees the enemy and one of them sees the Lord surrounding the enemy. So one of them sees the enemy surrounding them and the other one sees the Lord surrounding the enemy. It's a matter of perspective. And if you're naturally minded, you'll always only see the enemy. But if you can begin to see through the lens of the victory that God's promised you, you will see that whatever surrounds you has something surrounding it. That's what it was. That's what it was. We're surrounded! And Elijah's like, hey, 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 whoa, whoa. Act like you've been here. Do, do not be afraid. He says, uh... Lord, open his eyes so that he can see. And the Lord opens his eyes. And he looks and he sees chariots of fire. Now, this is kind of crazy, okay? I'm just going to like, it's going to be real vulnerable with you for a second. This is where I got a problem with the story. Because the story goes, not how I would want it to. Because he opens his eyes to see the chariots but the chariots don't do anything. And this messes with me because when I pray for deliverance, this is what I picture, is God coming to me on those chariots. And every enemy in my life, God is slaying. <laughs> he has rescued me, and I ride off 
on a wave of prosperity and peace. Am I the only one? Elisha's in the city. The servant's with Elisha. The servant's freaking out because they're surrounded. Elisha says, Lord, open his eyes so he can see. The Lord opens his eyes. He can see. Oh, chariots. And that's it. The chariots don't move. Read your Bible. They don't move. They don't help. They don't, they don't do anything. They just, they're just there. It's, it's almost as if God was reminding them that I got you. But I'm not going to save you like you think I'm going to save you. I wonder if this is why people get so upset at God. Because our, our perspective of deliverance is that God comes riding off the mountain with the chariot of fire. And he comes and destroys all our enemies. And now our life is just butterflies and flowers for the rest. It's not. You know what your Bible says about your life actually? What, what New Testament Red letters, Jesus' words. In this world, you will have trouble. Man, someone should have told us that before 2020. Because everybody thought, everybody thought God was judging America. And Jesus is up there like, oh my goodness, I told them. Trouble was going, it's too, too soon still, it's too soon still. I got to wait till about 2026 to bring that one up. Jesus said, also going through puberty again. Give me a second. <laughs> Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. So what is going on in this story that God would open this servant's eyes to see what? Chariots on the mountainside? Fantastic. What does it do for me? And I'm wondering if some of our perspectives of deliverance have been a little skewed. Because we think that if we cry out right, if we look right, if we serve right, if we worship right, that we won't have trouble. But if you actually study the scripture and you look for that, you're going to have a hard time finding anywhere in your Bible where the Bible saves us from trouble, from trials, from pain, from problems. In fact, one of my favorite scriptures to remind me of this is in Isaiah, the same chapter 43, verse 2. It says, when you pass through the waters, let's just slow down. This means that there are waters that I have to pass through. Can we all get on the same page? Frisco? Wiley? Can we get on the same? I have to pass through some waters. I will be. So I got chariots on the mountain. That's good. So the promise is not I don't have water to walk through. The promise is that I got backup on the mountain. Friends, you got backup. The promise is not no battle. The promise is not no pain. 
The promise is not no struggle. This is a crazy world and a crazy life. The promise is that you do not have to walk through it alone. God's promise to you is that he will never leave you and he will never forsake you. He's got chariots on the mountaintop of your life that are waiting and watching over the word on your life to make sure that it is fulfilled. You're going to go through some battles and you're going to go through some crisis, but God will watch over you. You know what's crazy? It says that the the enemy king came to attack Elisha. Why was he after Elisha? He was after Elisha because Elisha kept on thwarting the plan of the enemy. So he said, I'm going to go take out Elisha. So they came and surrounded the city. Now, I'm going to help. You got to track with me for a second. Everybody good? Track with me for a second. They came and surrounded, not Elisha, they surrounded the city. So if you're not careful, you would think that the enemy was after the city. But the enemy wasn't after the city. The enemy was after the prophet. Or if you actually dissect dissect scripture properly, you would understand that the enemy is always after the word. It's the word. The enemy didn't want another city. The enemy wanted the word. Because wherever the word went, the enemy failed. Wherever the word went, and that has some prophetic significance. Because in the beginning was the word. And the word was with God. And the word was God. Yeah, there has always been a battle against that capital W word. There has always been an onslaught of the enemy against the word. That's why it's not about just having a good idea or just having a good dream. It's about finding God's word and whatever God says over you the enemy cannot have. This is why the enemy has a, has a war and an onslaught against the word in you because God watches over his word to see that it is fulfilled. So that's why God says, you are going to do this. And the enemy says, I got I to try, try to get into their house. I got to try to get them while they're asleep. Because he's trying to get after the word. Because if God said it about you, it's just a matter of time before it happens. And the problem for most of us is that we hold on to words for days. But you're going to have some tenacity to hold on to words for decades. I'm going to say it again just in case you missed it. Some of us hold on to words for days, but you're going to have to have a tenacity that holds on to words for decades. That says, God, you said it, and I won't be talked out of it. I won't let go of it. I won't be shaken free of it. You said it. I'm going to hold on to it. I'm going to pray it. I'm going to watch over it until it happens. Because if God said it, it's going to happen. You know, there's this story in Mark chapter 10 about blind Bartimaeus. You remember this story? Blind Bartimaeus, he's by the side of the road. He's blind. Cannot see naturally. He's naturally blind. But spiritually, he has faith. The Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The Bible says that as Jesus was walking by, he had heard about Jesus. 
faith comes by hearing. The Bible says in Mark chapter 10 that blind Bartimaeus cried out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And it said that the people around him that actually could see naturally told him to be quiet. Be quiet. Don't bother him. He's going somewhere else. Leave him alone. You're a hindrance. You're a nuisance. Be quiet. The ones that could see naturally were blind spiritually. And the one who was blind naturally could see spiritually. And because he could see spiritually, the one that could give sight naturally said, come over here. And the Bible says that Jesus healed him and he began to see. And it showed me something, that the most important sight that you could ever have is not to be able to see what is right in front of you, but it's to be able to see what God sees. It is more important to be able to see what he sees and to hear what he hears more than to see what I can see. So I have to be able to have my eyes open to what the Spirit sees. Some of us are freaking out because we feel surrounded. And this is what the Holy Spirit's going to do today. He's going to open your eyes. Just, just picture this. Picture this. Is there somebody back there? Caleb, where are you at? You back there? Caleb! He's coming, I think. I hear him, I hear him. You hear him? That's my guy, that's my guy. Come here. If Caleb is attacking me, he would never. If he's attacking me and I feel attacked, I feel surrounded. I feel fear. Until my eyes are open and I can see someone way bigger, way stronger, way more powerful attacking him. So some of us are cowering under this attack because we're blind. feel fatigued. I feel anxious. I feel overwhelmed. I feel like I'm not making it out of this one. Pastor, I don't think I can make it another week, another month. I, I'm going to walk out on my family. I'm going to, I just, I, I don't, but that's because you feel surrounded, but you can't see. Because if you could see something is surrounding what's surrounding you. See, that's where faith comes from. That's how you can have faith in the storm. It's because you feel all kinds of things coming against you. Hit me again. Another attack. Another onslaught. Some more opposition. If you can see with spiritual eyes, then you understand that greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. There are more that are for me than there are that are against me.